big leagues were becoming too much to bear, and with my 33rd birthday just five days away, February 4th, 2006, the odds that I would ever conquer my dream were not improving. My family's needs also made me wonder how much longer I could pursue the dream. Casey had just started first grade and could no longer travel as much as she had in the past. At times, I would go up to three months without seeing my wife and daughter, making it more of a grind than I'd ever imagined. Combined with all the disappointments that I had endured over my career, I wondered if I could make it through another potentially heartbreaking season. How much longer could I possibly keep this up? I could only hope that it was my destiny to make the big leagues as a manager. Stumbling out of bed, I made my way to the bathroom and was painfully brought to life by the screaming aches and pains that came with being a five days shy of 33-year-old athlete. As I looked at myself in the mirror, I was reminded of Crash Davis, the battered minor league lifer played by Kevin Costner in the movie Bull Durham. A song began to play in my head. Garth Brooks is much too young to feel this damn old. Just then, my wife, Marsha, walked past the open bathroom door. 33 going on 80, she joked. It's more like 70, I protested, and I'm not 33 for a few more days. Marsha, my high school sweetheart, and I had joked for years about how she would be pushing me around in a wheelchair by the time I was 50. It wasn't just that my body was sore. Hell, my body was always sore. But with the Phillies' 2006 spring training just two weeks away... I was less prepared than I'd ever been in my minor league career. I took pride in always being in perfect physical shape when I reported to camp, but having just returned from my fourth consecutive winner of baseball Mexico, I was too worn out to work out like I had in the past. In any given year, between spring training, the regular season, and winter ball, I was playing up to 200 games. The nagging injuries were adding up, and I was feeling a lot older than the age listed on my driver's license. Compounding my worries, I'd taken batting practice only once this month. Unprepared was an understatement. With that in mind, I drank my morning coffee, dropped off Casey at school, and headed for the gym. Just as I pulled into the parking lot of the local YMCA, my cell phone rang. Chris? It's Pat, my agent. Pat Arter has represented me since 2000 when I was a nobody in the Cleveland Indians farm system, and he stuck with me the entire time. I think it's safe to say that it hasn't been for the money— if you totaled up the entire amount of money I've made for him in my career, you wouldn't be able to supersize your Happy Meal at McDonald's. Given Pat's loyalty and the amount of time we've worked together, I would say I trust him as much as a close relative. Pat knew that I was exhausted for winter ball and had recently considered retirement, so he'd been calling on what seemed like a daily basis to talk me out of quitting and give me the usual pre-spring training pep talk. Besides Marsha, he was the only person who could always put things in perspective and cheer me up, consistently reminding me how close I was to the big leagues. It would be a disservice to all minor leaguers to give up now, Pat would typically say. Just think how far you've come. How many independent league players out there would kill to be where you are now? He was right. Ten years earlier, I had fought to get into the Independent Northern League, a league full of undrafted college players, minor league castoffs, and former big leaguers like Daryl Strawberry and Jack Morris. It was every independent player's goal to catch on with major league organizations with the hope of getting a shot at the big leagues. To get from independent ball to AAA was considered a success, regardless of the fact that I may never sniff the big leagues, and every independent leaguer would gladly switch places with me. And then I'd picture myself back in the late 1990s and how I was lost in independent league anonymity. With the number of times I had come so close to the big leagues since then, it was easy to forget just how far I was from the major leagues in those days. Brainerd, Minnesota, the North Central League. Brandon, Manitoba, the Prairie League. Fargo, North Dakota, the Northern League. I was a million miles away, maybe even further than that. After all, I was so far from the big leagues in those days that the possibility of becoming a major leaguer had been totally erased from my mind. Now, I was going to attend major league spring training with the Phillies and share a clubhouse with the likes of Ryan Howard, Jimmy Rollins, and Chase Utley. He was right. I had come a long way since then, too close to quit now. 
This time, though, Pat was calling not just to offer encouragement, but to pass on some intriguing news. A team from the Korean League was offering me $300,000 to play third base for them. Like many journeyman minor league ballplayers, playing overseas was something I'd wanted to do for many years. I earned $60,000 as a Red Baron starting third baseman and occasional catcher in 2005, a season in which I batted 292 with 20 home runs and 89 RBIs for the Phillies' AAA affiliate. Before Pat had even finished sketching out the details for me, I replied, Where do I sign? 300 thou? It was a no-brainer, and I wanted to seal the deal before the Korean execs changed their minds. Although I was slightly ashamed of my extreme and hasty desire to agree to the contract for financial reasons, my motivation had changed over the past few seasons. My motivation had always been to conquer the dream that began at the age of seven, to wear a major league uniform in a beautiful major league stadium, and live the life I thought I was destined for. Money was never the primary factor. That's not to say that money wasn't an issue. After all, financial security is a desire for any normal person. But the idea of making the major leagues was the culmination of a